Welcome back to the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast. Today, we have a very fascinating guest who is a partner and agent at the WME Agency in Beverly Hills, California. He represents some of the biggest stars in the world, including Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That's right, The Rock uh, Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer, Ronda Rousey, Michael Strahan, Odell Beckham Jr., Ice Cube and his son O'Shea Jackson, also LeBron James and Maverick Carter, Spring Hill Entertainment Company, to name a few. So join me and let's get to know Brad Slater. All right, Brad Slater, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I cannot tell you uh, what an honor it is to that, that you reached out and even asked me to be a part of it. I've been watching the past episodes and fans of every single person you know, you've had on and then uh, a huge fan of yourself, man. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. It's like 930 in LA at night. You're in Thailand, but this, this is perfect. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much, man. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan too. You know, the film industry is such a big interest to me. I've always been so fascinated since I was a kid in in the film industry and, and, and entertainment industry and uh, all facets of it. So I'm kind of like a fanboy and of your, your uh, industry and so it's cool man to talk to somebody uh as successful as you are you know with the success of entourage and ballers and these shows you know where agents and managers are featured there's obviously a big interest in what you guys do and and how you guys you know manage these celebrities and these athletes and 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 such so it's just going to be i'm sure an extremely fascinating story to to hear what you you know what you've been through and how you've gotten to where you you are today, so I'm excited, man. Awesome, me too. I'm excited. Let's do it. You got it, man. So you you started out you you're an LA guy. You you started out in West LA, right, Westwood? Yeah, yeah. Born and raised uh, in Los Angeles. Been here pretty much my whole life, except for when I left for for college to uh, University of Arizona. Uh, West LA, we're you know proud of growing up in, in this area. It's a kind of a specific pocket, you know, a little bit uh, west of the 405 freeway, um, and runs along and and you know kind of runs north and south along the the 405 too, very close to where UCLA is. Um, but a very cool kind of uh, mix of a lot of different people. And and I was a public school kid, went to public high school, public school my entire life, and so I got to go to school and interact and play sports with people of all different races and ethnicities and everything. And it was, it was so valuable to me and, and it's helped me. It's carried me all through, you know, all through my life, right. You know, up to this day. So uh, it was really fun growing up here. Definitely. So when you were a kid growing up in LA, what, what was your, uh, I guess, what were you looking to be when you grew up? Like what, what was your goals? What, what were your, you know, your aspirations and, and, and a career in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't. I mean, honestly, I think like so many young young kids, I, I want to be a professional baseball player. That's oh, really wow. what I wanted to be. I loved baseball so much; um, it was my life. I was, you know, um, at the little league field from the minute I could get there in the morning. Even if my game was at three in the afternoon, I would be there at nine and watch my friends playing the earlier games and, and hang out. And uh, and I really, really, really loved the game and. Played it really competitively uh, all the way through high school and then had some opportunities to play uh, in college. But, you know, by that time, I, I knew I wasn't going to really have a professional career uh, as a major league baseball player, at least. And um, and so I made the decision to go to the University of Arizona, which my father went to, actually. Uh, and he took me 
in when I was in the eighth grade to the Pac-10 basketball tournament there, uh, when it was still the Pac-10 before the Pac-12, they used to move it around, um, you know, city to city, college to college every year. That year it happened to be at Arizona. So we went. I took one look at the school. And I said, this is where I want to go to college. So I never looked back really after my decision not to, to, to try to play baseball somewhere else, whether it was division three or two or one, whatever it could have been. And, um, and I really thought my second love was movies and television. Yeah. If I wasn't in a, in a, um, on a baseball field or a football field, I was in movie theaters or I was watching movies with my friends and we'd watch the same movie 10 times and we'd learn every single line. And, I really, really loved it. And then I got to University of Arizona and my freshman year, uh, I had the opportunity to go see a movie uh, that Michael Mann directed called The Last of the Mohicans yeah. that starred Daniel Day-Lewis. And I got, it was for free. So I went over you know, to campus and, and went in with my friend Garrett Feldman. And when I came out, I took about four steps out of the theater and I looked at him and I said, I have to be in that business. I don't know what it's going to be, but that is definitely, I have to be in that business. The movie inspired me so much. And even if you go back and watch it to this day, the movie holds up. It's one of the most incredible films ever. It's still one of my favorites. And it was that moment. And then from that moment, I made the decision that whatever I had to do, I was going to figure it out. Um, and yeah, that's where it started. That's when I knew for sure. I didn't have any other plans in trying to play baseball until, you know, like through high school, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and before college, um, when you were when you were growing up in West LA, obviously being in LA and everything in the film industry being so big and prominent there, was there like, like I know a lot of kids like myself, and, and I was in Texas, I was a Texas boy. A lot of kids like myself mm -hmm. and and kids from all over the the country want to move to LA to make it in Hollywood and be stars and do some kind of you know, in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. Growing up in LA, was there pressure for that? Like, did did you see it as if like. Like, what was it like for you as far as being that you were in the spot of the, the film industry? Was it like automatic that you kind of wanted to do it? Or were you, was it more like, this is kind of annoying, I don't really want to do it? Or was it like, like I, you know, how, how was it just growing up there in the heart of it? Yeah, I, I mean, it's a great question. For me, it was, it was really natural. Um, it was around. Right. You went to school with kids that were actors. I mean, I grew up three blocks away, for example, from Sean Astin and Mac Astin. So if you saw the movie Rudy, uh, you know, that was Sean yeah. Astin who, who played Rudy and, and, and he was in Goonies and all those movies and his brother Mac and their father, John Astin and their mom, Patty Duke Astin, you know, yeah. were, were right there and, and, uh, and, and so many others too. And so it didn't, it wasn't like you're next to celebrities. They were normal people. They were right. like us. They were your friends. They were your neighbors. We play baseball, Little League together. Um, and then when you get a little bit older and you're sneaking into clubs, you know, when you're 16 or 17 years old, I'll never forget. I saw Easy e standing right next to me, you know, like early days NWA or, you know, Johnny Depp's right over there. And, and it wasn't like, oh, my God, it's just like that's the way it was. And so for me, I think it's actually served. Uh, it's been a really good thing for me because. I really got into the business because I love the business and I love the movies and all the other stuff. Not that it's not great, not that I don't get it, like the movie premieres and all the, the parties and all that stuff. Like I, I totally get it. But um, truthfully, I was more fascinated by the executives and the agents that I was learning about. And, and you would, you know, you might be in a restaurant later. I'm like, oh, wow, that's, you know, so-and-so over there. Whoa, there's, you know, that's Ron Meyer over there. And that really got me excited. 
Um, but it was it was everywhere and it was all around. And and weirdly, though, I had no connections to the business. Zero. Yeah. I mean, nothing. My, my I didn't have, you know, a mother and father who were anywhere near the business. Really, my father a little bit tangentially, um, you know, no aunt or uncle that I could call and like, hey, can you call? So I know your friends. So and so the agent at that. You know, can you get me into the training program? Nothing. So it became a real early grind when I decided in that moment, Arizona, how I was going to do it. Um, because, yeah, although it was in, in abundance and it was all around, it just seemed natural. And I had to figure it out from there. So you made the choice uh, to go in the, toward the film industry before you moved to, to I mean, uh, Arizona, correct? Well, really, once I was there, because I was a freshman when I saw the movie and that's you know, when I kind of declared right. my major from that moment. I said, I'm going to be I want to be a film student. It was called Media Arts at the time. Um, you got to study a lot of film and, and make movies in the major and see every great movie from the, you know, AFI one, top 100 list, which I strongly recommend, if, yeah. you know, especially now. So we've got a lot of time on our hands to watch movies. Um, and I was a journalism minor, um, but I really, but the emphasis was on, on film. And then I know how to get some jobs and I had to get some internships. And this was in 1996. And it really makes me feel old. I mean, I'm, I'm turning 46 this August. But in 1996, there was no internet, really. It was called the World Wide Web, but certainly no Google. I didn't have a cell phone. We had no email. I had a student email that you could only, you know, email inter, you know, with other kids at the the university. Um, So that meant, how was I going to get to anybody? I had no connections. And nowadays, you know, if somebody wanted to find me, they could probably get find my email pretty quick and send me a note. And by the way, I get them a lot from random people. I read them. And I've, you get a great one, I, I answer all the time. That wasn't an option back, back then. So I would do crazy things. I would try to find people's fax machines, uh, their private <laughs> fax numbers, which I got really successful at, believe it or not, because back then, executives would have a fax machine in their homes. And they would get, before they go to bed, the way we do now, you check your email and you look at your text, put it on your nightstand or whatever. Then they would, be, they would go check their fax machine. They would see their, their notes and letters. And then they go to bed. So I would get those numbers and I would send resumes and I would send like plea letters and some of them landed. And, um, and I had a couple unbelievable internships uh, between my sophomore and junior year. And then again, my junior and senior year at Arizona that really um, that paved the way and gave me some unbelievable experience. And then the fact that like I, I felt that I had the experience and I had a little bit of um, I had tough skin, you know, thick skin. Right. And was ready to go and, and, and take a shot at it. So when you moved back from Arizona, did you move back to L.A. with with a job, with an internship, with something to do? Or did you just move back and then just started hustling from there? Yeah, I was I was really fortunate. And, and again, my whole journey, funny enough that, you know, I never got to play, you know, uh, past high school in baseball. But everything that's happened to me, baseball has been the through line to it all. So I had a right. baseball coach when I was 15 years old. Uh, in, in pony leagues here in Los Angeles. Great guy. His name was Bill Barnett. And at the time, he was not a movie producer. He was an entrepreneur. He, had a, you know, he was in real estate. I think he had something in the radio business. Just the greatest guy. And he really treated me like, like I was his little, somewhere between his little brother and a son. But he was probably like 35 or 40 years old. He'd only been married a couple of years. Greatest guy. Um, I'm off to college, keeping in touch with him in between. And as I'm getting ready to graduate, I reach out to him. And uh, and I tell him, you know, that I'm looking for a job. And at this time, he's got a production company now. Now he's in the movie business and he's making movies that he was getting kind of financed himself. 
and he gave me the opportunity to come and work for he, him and his, and his partner. Um, and they gave me the job of selling the movies that they were making all over the world internationally. So I got that job while well, he gave me the job when I was about to graduate. I graduated. I'll never forget it. May like 15th in 1996. They needed me May 21st. Wow. And I was like, oh, my gosh. First, I was so psyched to have a job, but I really wanted to maybe take the opportunity to travel, go see the world a little bit. Um, but it wasn't even a question. I knew I had to go. I had to get to work. I had the opportunity. I couldn't miss it. I took it. And so all of a sudden, I'm traveling to Italy, France, South America, and I'm, and, and I'm making deals, selling American movies, sometimes to people, I mean, from countries all over the world, Russia, Spain, everywhere. And I'm making deals with, with people for movies. And sometimes we weren't even making deals in English. Like, I didn't speak the foreign language. They weren't speaking English. And we were wheeling and dealing. It was cool. Yeah. I made amazing friends when I was doing it. Um, but, uh, and, and so it taught me that I knew, I, I thought that I knew how to make deals and that I could make fair deals and that people could feel good after the deal. Like they felt good. I felt good. And I really, really learned about the business and I learned about how to connect and how to connect with people. And sometimes even when you're not speaking the same language, um, I did that. So he offered me, he gave me that job. It was an unbelievable experience, but, uh, but I really wanted to be back like in the, in the, in the hub of Hollywood, which some of my internships were, I worked, my, one of my internships was for Mandalay entertainment, which was uh, owned by Peter Goober. Um, you know, who now is golden state warriors and, and is a no notorious movie producer as well. Um, and, um, and, uh, I, so I interned there and I loved being on the movie studio lot. I love being around, you know, the, the big sets and the sound stages. Um, and you would see a star here and there. And it was a really historical lot. It was the original lot. It used to be MGM. So it was the original lot where Wizard of Oz was shot. So I would be getting out of my car and I'd be walking to where my job was halfway across the lot. But you're literally walking on the uh, now it's asphalt. But then it was the original yellow brick road from right. from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. And so the history got like deep in me. And I and I felt like I needed to be back in the I want to be in like the real hub of the music where the foreign distribution side was really interesting. But it was a little bit on the periphery, at least in my mind. And it's a really important part of the business. But I just wanted to be kind of in the in the hub of it all. So I made a deal with myself. Um, I basically I had three criteria. And all my friends thought I was nuts. I said, um, and I would never recommend this now to, to any, to the young people that I, <laughs> that I talk to uh, when they're asking for advice. But mine, mine was, um, I'm only going to work at the hottest agency or management company. I'm only going to work for the boss, whoever's like name is on the door. And I'm only, and I'm not going to work in the training program. And which if you, if you ever heard anything or anybody's listened, like training programs are very notorious. You know, that's how you start. Uh, at a lot of agencies and management companies, like you cut your teeth there. And it wasn't because I thought I was too good for it or I had too much of an ego. And, I'm, you know, I've certainly been accused more than, than, you know, once or twice about having a healthy ego. And that's fine. I think everybody kind of has to in some place. But I felt that the internships I had, I did that job that was the training right. program then. When everybody else was, was off, you know, doing what they did in the summer times, partying. And, you know, I partied too. But from eight to three, every single day, those couple years, I was working and I was getting the food for people. And I was sitting in rooms with no windows, Xeroxing um, movie scripts for seven hours, just catching fumes from the Xerox machines. And um, they would hand me, you know, stacks of papers up to my nose to shred. Yeah. And I would be there for hours. But I figured, well, 
if they're giving me something to shred, that there must be some important stuff on there, and I would read it before I shredded it. So I would learn <laughs> as call. much as I as much as I could, and I learned, and I got to see some things, really, really cool stuff. And um, and I figured, look, I'm working for free. Let me get something out of it. You know, yeah, I'm gonna get the whole experience. And they would give me envelopes, and I would sneak into the bathroom and like steam them under hot water so I could open it and see what's inside and then like <laughs> seal it back up. Like, you know, I, I just had to get it. And, and, and so that's why I felt like I thought I could circumvent, circumvent those, you know, those things. And, and I was able to, I got a job at a really high profile company at the time. It was pretty much the, the hottest company in the business called Addis Wexler at the time. Um, and they had, so many great young actors at the time. It was like Leonardo DiCaprio after Titanic. Cameron Diaz, I think, was coming off of something about Mary. Benicio yeah. Del Toro was in usual, you know, usual suspects. And like the list went on and on. And I got a job there. They were hot. The boss was needed an assistant. I interviewed with him like five times. I got the job. And, um, and it meant I didn't have to work in the mailroom. And there was a mailroom there. So that's what happened. And I, and I got to work there for, for a little over a year. And then two managers broke off named Rick and Julie Yorn to go start another company called AMG that was run by a notorious uh, ex-Hollywood agent named Michael Ovitz, who founded you know, the company CAA and then later went on to run Disney and then came back in the business and started this company AMG. And, um, and then I got an invitation to go be Rick Yorn's assistant. And he's really, to this day, one of my true mentors. He, first of all, pretty much kept every promise he ever made to me about teaching me and, nice. and letting me learn, um, taught me how to really work for clients and protect clients. And then mostly, I think the most important thing that I got from him that I try to carry out, and I hope people feel this way, is that you can still be successful, be a really good person. Um, nice. And yeah. that was something that was really, really important to me because like any business, you know, you, can, you, you see a lot and you see how people, you know, can treat other people. And I just figured you know, I didn't want to be one of those. I wanted to try to be, be respectful to people. And, and, you know, kind of everybody starts off with an A with me, you got to earn an F. Yeah. And if you earn an F, then, you know, I guess it's a different conversation. Um, you know, we'll, we'll start there. But but yeah, I learned everything from him. And so I was a manager uh, at that company for two years. Another company came in and bought it after a while called the name the firm it was another really, really hot company that lasted for me about uh, another year. Um, the company wasn't doing well, believe it or not. And they were, uh, had to let go of a lot of people. And I was one of them, actually, I was 28 years old at the time. And, uh, I found out that I was being let go, not, you know, for anything I did wrong, just, you know, there were going to be cuts yeah. and I was gutted. Yeah. It was one of those moments, man, where everything you ever learned in sports, everything you ever hear fighting, right? Like, who are you when you get knocked down, right? Who are you when you get, when you catch one really on the button and you just don't know what to do. And I was, it was the first time in my life. I, I was, I was paralyzed for a minute and then had some opportunities, got some calls, really thought I was going to stay in the management side of the business. And then I got a phone call from, from an agent, one of the top agencies named Nick Stevens, um, who called me over to his office and talked to me for at least 90 minutes about why he did, couldn't understand for me being 28 or 29 years old at the time, why I was a manager anyway. He said, I yeah. just think you're more of an agent. I think you're a deal maker. I think you're a, uh, a hustler. And I think that you wanna, you're gonna look out for people and some of the hands-on things that managers do, maybe that's not so for you. And 
I just want to open your eyes. That's all I want to do is open your eyes. If you want to come to UTA, you know, maybe we'll have that conversation. If you want to go to William Morris, you can have that conversation. Um, other places, sure. But I think you're an agent and I think you need to open your eyes. I walked out of there. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. This is so, and, and, and I never thought an agent was for me. Never. I don't know if I thought I wouldn't be good enough or if I just thought that, you know, that what I knew about agents wasn't, wasn't for me, but he got to me, he got like straight to my core. And I'd already gotten a call, which I left out from William Morris as I was leaving the firm saying, Hey, why don't, you know, we have some opportunities here. Why don't you come think about being an agent? And I said, no, thank you. Because I just didn't think that's what I want to do. So I immediately, cause I left UTA called William Morris and said, Hey, I don't want you to hear from anybody else. I took an impromptu meeting and maybe I think I should come talk to you about being an agent and very long story. I'll try to make it short, but, uh, you oh, know, no, I decided to go there because it was, I felt at the time a place that, that, uh, needed me as much as I needed it. And I needed it a lot, you know, given what my history was, I needed a place with a foundation and a blueprint that maybe wasn't going through so much of this. And that was 19 years ago. Um, and they gave me an unbelievable opportunity at the time, the old agency. Um, I had no idea how to be an agent. All, I just I was a manager. All my clients had agents, so I couldn't take any clients there. I went there with nothing, literally. And, um, and, I, and, and I got some really good advice from, from Michael Ovitz, who I worked for before I took mm -hmm. the job, about how to go in there and try to shine. And things worked out pretty well. I, had, um, I, I went on a nice run, signed some clients. And, and then a, you know, seven years into it, the merger happened with, with Endeavor. Uh, where it became WME, which it is now. And, you know, I have to say that, that they treated me, in my opinion, uh, like I was an original Endeavor employee uh, right. from day one. Took me in, let me kind of be myself, which was really important. Uh, I became a partner a few years in. I ran the talent department for four years. And uh, now it's been like 11 years. And that brings us to, you know, to right now. I don't know if that was long-winded or too much, no. but you got me going. That's great, man, and and I think uh, I think you made a good choice, Brad, going with William Morris. I think it's uh, I think it's paid off pretty well for you, and uh, I, <laughs> I think that's uh, that was a definitely a good decision. I want to go back a little bit. Um, yeah. So when when well, first I can definitely uh, relate to to the not knowing the language. Yeah, when I came to Thailand, the same thing. You know, I'm doing I'm mm. setting I'm setting up a business and I'm having business meetings and like I don't know any Thai, so I can totally understand what you were talking about not knowing the language. And I'm here trying to set up a business, putting a lot of money in, and yet I didn't understand anything. Waiting for my translator to to get back to me, so I totally understand what you were saying about that. Um, and and going back to okay, so you know it's I don't quite understand probably like a lot of our 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 viewers um, when you were at. Uh, the university in Arizona and you were working in the film uh, you working mm -hmm. in the film and then you went back to sell films how did you learn to sell films because it seems like I've never seen uh, like a class or or kind of like a, a place where you learn to sell films just more make films and be in films and stuff right. like that so so where did you pick up the ability to sell films to a point where you got a job selling them and then traveling the world and, and selling these big films and look, you can never get hurt telling the truth, which is something that I live by. <laughs> Here's the thing, man. I didn't learn a thing about selling films in college. I learned 
about the film business. I learned what people learn in college. I think college is really important for a lot of things. Obviously, you expand your education, but it also teaches you how to be, you know, uh, extremely social and learn how to connect with people. Um, and and I the film the film school there, the media arts program was really really great, but there is nothing like real experience, right? right. You can spar or you can be in a real fight and mm-hmm. there's a difference. And so for me, I knew how to sell. I knew that I knew how to sell because I couldn't get a car. My parents wouldn't let me get a car unless I paid, you know, for my gas and stuff when I would turn 16. So I worked at the Foot Locker and I was selling sneakers because I love sneakers more than <laughs> and the biggest sneakerhead in the world. And, uh, and I worked, I worked at the Gap and I'd be out on the floor like telling people why they had to get this jeans instead of these jeans. So I knew, I knew that I could, that I could sell. And that's what it's really about. And it's like anything, like you have to be passionate about yeah. what you're selling. Absolutely. You have to have it. Like you can't talk about AKA Thailand if you don't love the, you know, the situation there. If you don't love what you have, if you don't love the amenities, if you don't love the training, if you don't love the trainer, if you know it's not there, you can't sell it. So for me, that was what it was all about. I, 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 even if the movies that I was trying to sell weren't good, I didn't care. I got to sell movies. I was so excited. I would be, da, 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 and I would just be pitching and pitching and I would get people excited about it. And sometimes they would buy it. Sometimes they didn't, but I learned, I really did learn how to, how to sell. But I think that my, you know, experience in Arizona was really helpful too. I worked at film festivals. I was, you know, dealing with people, you know, acquiring movies, watching movies, deciding which movies got into the film festival. So I saw a lot of movies. So I knew, I knew how to speak the, the, the language, even if right. I was speaking the language. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I think when you're passionate about something, it just makes it that much more, more fun. You know, like, like these guys that work so much, it's like you, you can, you, you read about success stories from the successful people, entrepreneurs or whatever else in any, any career field. And they're, they're always, I work this many hours, I work so much, but it's like when you're passionate about something, yeah, you work a lot, but it's not really work. You know, like for, for, for me, I spend a lot of my nights working till two, three in the morning, but it's not work to me. You know, I could easily watch TV. I could easily watch Netflix and, and play games or do something like that. But I would rather, you know, put together some pictures or some video content to, to promote AK Thailand. And, and I also, I started out in selling. I, I was a car salesman actually out of high school. Mm-hmm. And so that was, mm-hmm. that was a great start for me as well, learning to sell because, you know, now, you know, a lot of people don't understand when they follow my Instagram or there's two, there's two things with my Instagram that I really like to, 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 to push and that's inspiration. And then that's selling AK Thailand. And if you look at my Instagram, you can take from that. There's a small group of yep. people that think it's arrogance and you know, you're, you know, your flashy life on this Island and you're living so lucky and all that, but people don't know the road that it took to get where I am today. And what got mm. me, what got me motivated to be an entrepreneur and be successful in business is, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up small town, Texas, didn't have anything so like i was looking right. at like the dupont registry and like the the you know the yacht magazines and the house magazines like look at i was looking for inspiration yeah. I, wanted, I wanted to live in these houses sure. and drive these cars and so like i love seeing that kind of stuff and and when i was in school like i'd, I'd make my mom go to like sam's club which is like the you know i don't know if in, in la Costco, but, yeah yeah but in texas it's sam's yeah. club and i'd buy like the candy and like the big tubs you know and i'd sell candy at school like i was the candy man dude i was like the best yeah. i was the best <laughs> candy dealer and like all of school 
Like, if you wanted the now and leaders in the five pack, you came to me. My uh, locker was full. So, like, long, yeah, the five pack. Not yeah. Just, yeah. And I'd sell for like a quarter later. a piece, man. I'd make so much off that tub, you know? <laughs> like, so, like, for me, it's yeah. like, yeah. So I can, I can relate to the sales part. And then, um, yeah. And so, so, so for my Instagram, I post these pictures of like, you know, enjoying life and being on the islands and doing things but it's true like when you come to, to thailand and you, you you experience ak thailand it's like you can do all these cool things and and it's what i'm passionate about you know and so i totally relate to that um and that's awesome man and, and you're so passionate yeah. about filming that and that and that's what makes it so fun for you and and i think made you so good at it um when you were when you were going from you know arizona back to to get your jobs and then you were interning as an assistant uh, and then you mm-hmm. said you you became an agent um, and you didn't expect to become an agent. What w- what were you trying to become? So so you were an assistant, and and I know you were you know into film. That was in your mind. You wanted to to do film. You loved the movies. You loved watching movies. So what in your mind was at that time your goal? Considering you didn't expect to be an agent at that time. Well, little clarification. So and I, it was probably I probably misspoke, but. When you go from being an assistant and then you like if you're a management company, you go from an assistant and then you get promoted and you're a manager, which means okay. you essentially you're done working for somebody else and answering their phones and doing all things. Now you're on your own. You get to represent your own clients. So I had already accomplished that. So I was either going to continue being a manager when mm-hmm. I was let go from from the company uh, and go to another company somewhere else. Or now I've got this choice. Why don't you think about being an agent? So when I was telling you about getting let go and I, didn't, I couldn't, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I really didn't know. Like, I, I really still thought I wanted to just be a manager. I just thought I was going to work at that company forever. It, like, never crossed my mind. I'm not getting this. I'm, no, no one's getting rid of me. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Well, no. And sometimes that happens in life. So for me, it was, um, I had, my choice was you can either go figure this out and do what people seem to believe you can do. And you believe in yourself more than anything, or you got to go figure something else out within the business. You know, I, I don't see myself. The only other thing I want to do in life is coach high school baseball. Right. That's it. That's what I'd like to do. And someday I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go back to university high, university high school. I'm going to call the principal and I'm going to ask if I can, well, I don't care what I have to do. I'll be the fifth assistant coach. That's what I'd like to do. Um, so I made the jump and, and it worked out. And by the way, everybody told me not to do it. Everybody told me not to go to William Morris at that time. Everybody. But I love going the other way. When everybody's, yeah. you know, selling this, I like to go over here. And that's and, and so that was the that was the turning point. I had no I didn't know what else was there. But I knew that I knew how to represent people. I knew how that I knew how to take care of artists, actors, you know. I I knew I could do that. And I knew the representation was the right place to be for me. And that was, you know, then it's been like I said, night. 22 years as a full representative um, and 19 as an agent. Yeah. I think it's a great policy too. not listening to the masses because like, unfortunately, you know, not to be insensitive, but the masses fell, you know, like it's a small percentage of people that are successful and there's a reason for that. And so when the masses tell you something, you know, you want to go with the smaller group, the people that are where you want to be. Or you you keep that. Yeah. (laughs) Or you keep that group, the group tight that you really can trust when you're, you know, I don't want to have 40 people's opinion. I'd rather have four. And, and so, you know, I learned a lot of things from people who had been doing my job a lot longer than I had. And I asked a lot of questions along the way. I mean, I got some amazing advice along the way. You know, one of them was, how dare you ever try to represent somebody that you're not totally a fan of? What a great, I mean, it was like so simple. 
right? Like, how can I speak passionately about somebody if I don't even love what, love their work? Right. Sometimes, like you know, like you could just jump it because they might make a lot of money, or maybe they'll make a lot of money, or whatever. But like, you have to be a genuine fan, and I can promise you. Go down anybody I represent. I am as big a fan of them as I am their agent. Fan, period. Crazy fan, you know, fan first. And um, and so yeah, that was uh, you know that that's that's really important. And and I and I learned that from you know someone you know who's a real veteran in the business. And and then uh, and also just to like be good at one thing, you know, or you can be good at a lot of things, but be like if 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 somebody wants to be represented by you or or is looking for everything they want to say you need brad slater because right he does this and so like you really have to find your you know your ground like who you are and when what your thing is so that when the opportunity strikes people know like i need i I need that agent because that's what he does that's what she does so it turns out you are a fan of the biggest star in the world, Dwayne Johnson. So, uh, I was a, shocking. I, I definitely I saw a lot of rock wrestling matches. You know, when when he was when when I was in college and and you know or just just post college, I'll never forget going to uh, the forum to watch him wrestle. The first opportunity I got. Yes, man, big fan. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So I got to ask you. So now again, uh, so now you're now you're an agent. You're, you're William, mm-hmm. William Morris, and and, and you're you're. Uh, being an agent, what is a day to day like for you? Like, I'm wondering, like we, I've seen entourage obviously. And, and, you know, you don't know what's real, what's mm-hmm. not, you know, and, and ballers is a little bit different. Cause he's like a, you know, a sports manager and all this type of stuff. But what, what is it like to be, you know, in your day? If I, if I shadowed you for the day, like an average day for you, what, what is it like? Um, well, one of the things, you know, I get that asked that question and, and the best part about being able to answer it the way I will is, uh, is this, is that, I don't have two days that are the same. It's mm-hmm. so different. And, and, and yes, there's, you know, you're usually in around the same time. You've got some staff meetings that are very regimented on a schedule so that you get information. But the day-to-day job can be so different. It's been mainly because I have a very diverse list of clients who do many things. You know, I've got some actors, some athletes. You know, there's other businesses that don't really have to do with me acting or, or, or sports. Um, and so there's a lot going on, but it could be three hours straight of just phone call, phone call, phone call, phone call. It could be meetings after meetings after meetings. It's a lunch, you know, uh, business. It could be driving over the hill here to the movie studios to go see a screening of something. Um, it could be a premiere this night. Um, there's so many, there's so many different things, but the main job, my job is to make sure that the people that I represent have jobs and right. and the jobs that they want. That's my job. So all those steps, all those phone calls, the drive over the hill to go meet and, and do these things. And if it's a dinner, it's like, it's so I'm, I'm doing, it's not, it's not, you know, I'm not trying to have fun. I'm trying yeah. to, I'm, I'm trying to get, you know, jobs for people. I'm trying to, yeah. they, they have goals. And I work for them, by the way, that's, you know, yeah. they don't work for me. I work for them yeah. and I have never lost sight of that. And and I think that, that that's really, you know, the most important thing. So whatever it's going to be in, in that day, and there, they can be long days, obviously. And, and um, but like you said, a lot of times I don't feel like I'm working. It's cool. I, that where I park my car at the company, just randomly in the spot is, um, is next to like a, like a short flight of stairs, like, like five steps that go up to the elevators where you go up. And then, um, and so many times I find myself run up the stairs 
but I'm not like late for anything. And I'll get to the top and I'll look, I'm like, why am I running? Like, why am I you know, kind of hustling up the stairs? It's like, I'm genuinely excited to get to work, to go. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. You know, and may, and if that stops, then baseball coach, you know, but, yeah. but I, I find myself doing that still a lot. And I, and, and I, I kind of like laugh to myself. So, and it is like the days can be, are, are very different for sure. And that's because like, you know, in your day, anything can happen, correct? I mean, that's why you're excited because when you go into work, you can't expect what's going to happen. And one phone call, mm -hmm. one meeting can change everything. And then something crazy happens. And is that what you're talking about? Like the, that excitement? Well, that yeah. You in? Yeah. One of my, one of my really great friends, best friends, actually, uh, his name is Doug Lockerhand. We work together. He has this great line, uh, uh, tragedy on line one, triumph on line two. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Horrible news over here. Oh man. Oh my God. Okay. Brutal. I can't believe it. Hang up. Yeah. Yes. Unbelievable. Awesome. And like, and it really, it really is like that. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're dealing with a lot. There's a lot of things going on and you got to have a really short memory again, yeah. going back to fighting, right? Like, or really any sport, right? Like have a bad game. Well, dust yourself off. Let's go. You got another one coming up. Same thing. I really don't celebrate the wins very long. And I don't get too upset about the losses very long. And I think that's what, what's kept me coming. I mean, I appreciate it all. I'm not like jaded. We're like, oh, we did it again. That's not, yeah, I just, of course. I, I really at a place like, it's like, okay, we got it. Cool. We did it on to the next or this is horrible. I can't believe it. All right, suck it up. We're going to figure it out. But that, that is the truth because you really are in so many things and it moves really, really fast a lot. Um, so, so yeah, that, I think it's one of my favorite lines, tragedy yeah. on line one, triumph on line two. It makes two. sense. It makes sense. And every, yeah. and every, career. yeah, I'll bet you deal with it in your, uh, are you kidding me? Like, I'm sure, you know, oh. at, at, you know, with AKA Thailand, like you got a million great things going on. And then all of a sudden yeah, we got a pandemic and you're shut down. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, like, I, I'm the same way. I go into work. I'm so excited. And my friend Mark, you know, who works with me, I've had, I've been friends with Mark for 25 years. And so he, he works with me here at AK Thailand. And we talk about all the time how excited we are to go in because AK Thailand's, uh, you know, it's, it's made up of all, to, uh, not tourists, but foreigners. Like it's all foreign uh, guests that come to AK Thailand from all over the world. So I enjoy meeting all these people from all different walks of life and they're all different careers and it's exciting. And like, you know, I'll get the call that a celebrity or something somebody cool or somebody successful or, or exciting is coming into AK Thailand in a week or, or in a couple of days, or they're there right now and I need yeah. to get in there and that's exciting. Or then I'll get the call and like the air conditioner broke or, you know, there's a, you know, it's the, the, the shades went down or some tragic thing happened. And I'm like, Oh God, at the worst time, you know? So I totally understand that. Like that, totally. that makes perfect sense. So, you know, going back a little bit on, um, now I can't imagine going to premieres and and flying to China with with Dwayne to promote Hobbs and Shaw and all this stuff is that daunting. So that's obviously the upside. But what is what is some of the hardest parts of your job? Like what what is the grind for you that like keeps you on 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 your toes? Like like where you have to grind it out and 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 put the put the pedal down, put the pedal to the metal. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, put the, put the pedal to the I mean, metal. <laughs> I, I think, look, I think I'm competitive. Yeah. I don't want to lose at anything. And I really, really want the best so badly for the people that, you know, I have the opportunity to work for. So if things aren't going exactly as you might hope, it's really, it, that's hard. That's hard for any agent. They would all tell you like, and, and it's because you 
you really lay yourself out on the line. That's what that's what we are. That's what is asked of us. That's what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to do everything you can on behalf of the careers that you know are are kind of in your hands, so to speak. So, I guess the hardest part about it is is really just that for me, and it's the, the pressure kind of that comes along with it. It's hard to be like, oh, being an agent so hard when you think about people working in hospitals right now or so yeah. like that's hard and going out you know soldiers that's hard and police officers and firemen and surgeons that's hard this is a different kind of thing you know and and that's never lost on me either but um but I, we love to win and and we love to win on behalf of the people that that you know we made a commitment to so it's the hardest thing for me is to not take it personally yeah I, you know, and not to like wear it everywhere, you know, you go from the time you leave off and you got to come have twin boys who are nine yeah. and a wife, you know, I've been married next week. It'll be 13 years. My well, wife, congratulations. and thank you. Appreciate it. Um, and, um, you know, so it's hard not to, you know, sometimes to, to take it with you because I definitely wear my emotions on my sleeve. Anybody knows that about me and, and, you know, and, and taking things personally is, is the hardest thing, um, because it's it's a it's a competitive business and there's a lot of great talent and things that that or or you know other agents and other agencies that you're competing against all the time and and that's part of it that's that's the game that we're in that makes sense you know fixing the problems making sure you stay on top you know and when you have the list of clients that you have that's got to be a lot of pressure mm -hmm. you know because you're you're having to make the biggest deals for the biggest clients and 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 do that so i can imagine that kind of pressure and and yeah, I mean it's a it's a fun pressure, it's a fun it's a it's fun a downside. Believe but but yeah, I can imagine yeah. the 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 workload that's involved in that. Well, well, that's really the thing. It's not even about like like making the biggest deals or anything like that. I I I really feel like the people that I work for, it's 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 an absolute privilege for me to get to work for them. And so um so you want the best because of that. And and um yeah, you want them to be happy. You want them to be proud. You want to be proud. So yeah, there, but there, and then there's, of course, there's pressure, you know, just inherited because, you know, because of that, like a lot of our jobs. Yeah, for sure. All right. I just want to take a second to thank our sponsor, AK Thailand here in Phuket. Any information you need is on akthailand.com or you can email info at akthailand.com. And if you're not familiar with AK Thailand, here it is. What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. Mike Swick, he's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jujitsu. They have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. telling you guys, I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool, but you can't come to Thailand without coming to AKA Thailand. Come on. What, what kind of advice would you give to somebody coming into to Hollywood? Uh, you know, what, what kind of work ethic and mindset do they need to have to make it in the entertainment industry? 
Like, what, what would you say to them? Really, truly, you always have to be ready. Right. You never know when someone's going to point to you and go, you're up. And if you're not ready, you might not ever have them point to you again. Yeah. So my biggest advice, like, and to prepare, prepare, prepare. One of my great coaches, Frank Cruz, famous saying, uh, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. You got an, I used to have interviews. I would, well, I still lay my, my clothes out the night before still to this day because I just <laughs> want to be ready for the next day. Like I think about like literally, but I used to drive to the place that I was interviewing at the night before, like late at night, I would sit out in front of the building and I would be like, okay, that's where I'm going to park tomorrow. That's where I'm going to go in. I'd be like casing the joint. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, cool. I go try it. If a door was, I'm like bathrooms over there in case like I drank too much water. Okay, cool. So that I didn't have to think about anything when I got there and I could just go in loose, be at my best, prepare, prepare, prepare for your day. You can't, you know, wake up 15 minutes before you got to go and think, think, think that you're going to be on. But I really think that, that just, you always have to be ready. Someone's going to come with an opportunity. Um, everybody gets one, but it might just be, it might just be one. And if you miss that, you have no idea what it could have been. And so the, the perseverance, the resilience, the, uh, the belief, the true belief in yourself to know, like, I can, I can do this and you're going to have rough days, man. I mean, this is, it's hard. It's competitive. There's a lot of people trying, like our, our business, if you don't want the job, someone else will take it in 10 seconds, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, and so there's definitely a lot of that. And, um, but yeah, I think just the, the preparation and, and being ready for anything, you're an assistant or you're trying to be, or you're in the mailroom, but some, some agent's assistant gets sick, you got to go work. What if you haven't learned? What if you don't know how to use the phones? Yeah. Well, that agent's going to be like, I can't work with that kid. Right. Just cause you didn't work, you know, I didn't do it. Stay late. Have somebody to have another assistant teach you how to use the phones. So that when someone gets at, you, you know, says you're up, you're ready. Those kind of things. You know, preparation and believing that it's coming. It's, it's like I said, can't say it enough. Someone's going to point to you. Yeah. You're going to be up. That makes perfect sense. And your list of clients, man, is just incredible. Some of the biggest stars in the world. Um, you know, you got Octavia Spencer coming up, Academy Award winner, obviously. Uh, but what is it like representing Dwayne Johnson being the biggest star in the world? How is that? I mean, that's got to be incredible to, to represent someone like that. Uh, look, it's, I mean, I use the word privilege earlier <laughs> and, and it is, it's, you know, the, the one question I get asked a lot, like, is he really, is he really like as great as he seems? And, and I, you can multiply it, you know, by infinity. He is, he, he, he's, 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 he's a wonderful human being. He's a wonderful talent. He's, he's kind and he's he's motivational all the things that you see that you could see every day if you're on his instagram that that really is who he is um and i'm really fortunate that a you know that that i get to work with him and i have a tremendous amount of help i have so many uh, truly there's probably 
seven or eight agents along with me who work with me that have real relationships with him that get that speak to him about things, whether it's the endorsement space or, you know, the television space. And, and, you know, I kind of get to obviously kind of be the head of that team, but there's so many, there's so many hands. And then his company and his business partner, uh, you know, Danny Garcia, who's been with him Mm -hmm. since day one, who I probably talked to, I mean, you know, countless times a day and Hiram Garcia, who is the president of seven bucks productions. And there's a lot of people that, you know, that, that are part of this team. And I just feel that, you know, for me, I, I, the bond is like, we have, we have a very similar culture, culture about like the way we go about the work. And so, yeah, I mean, we've been together, we've worked together almost 10 years. Wow. Um, you know, they, they, I, I always remember cause my boys are nine and they were still in the hospital when, when, uh, you know, when we started working together and, you know, the amount of, faith that they put in, in me and the other agents and, and just our agency as a whole and trust and, and the relationship. It's, it's really, it's really special. You know, it, it's great. It's, it's been so, it's been super fun. And he's kind of a jokester and he's got a great sense of humor. So when y'all are working and traveling and doing all these premieres and promotions, do y'all have fun? Is there, is, is there some times when y'all can just chill and have fun and relax and, 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 and enjoy moments? Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're, when you travel and stuff, you're, you're really on the move, but honestly, the plane flights are the ones that, you know, um, I, I really go on them because it's a great time to catch up. Yeah. You know, when we call during the day, it's not to like call like, Hey, well, you know, you know, right. what are you doing? Like we're talking about <laughs> business and, you know, and obviously I mean, how's it going? You know, how's the family? How are your daughters? You know, how's your wife? But it's really like, he's busy. And yeah, so we're talking sure. about, we're, we're talking about business. Um, we, you know, yeah, the plane flight, because it's a lot of times if you're flying to China, they're long and that, you know, we get to really focus on everything. And so actually those are, those are great moments. And it's not because you're like getting to take a fun trip. It's because you get to catch up. And then of course there's time to, to hang out, you know, and, and talk, grab a meal. You know, we, you know, every time I go visit him on a movie when he's working, then we'll go have dinner, you know, at least once. Um, but yeah, you mentioned practical joker. The guy is, is the biggest practical joker <laughs> <laughs> ever ever i mean he's constantly getting me there's this funny story you can find it on tmz so i'm certainly not speaking out of school about it but um he came up to our office one time to you know we had some meetings and he was getting ready to leave and his car was out front like right in front of the building and and uh i said oh come on i'll walk you out and and, and we walk out and we're walk- as we're walking out in front his car is right there the big um the the big tmz tourist van you know, was going right by our office. And, um, and so it stopped because of course they see the rock. Yeah. And so there's all the, the, the fans are on it and he's great. And he, you know, he stops and his car is like right there. And I, I knew the cameras were on. So I kind of went behind the door of the, of the, of the car. Cause I didn't want to be in it. And like, I was, he was doing his thing. And so he's talking to the fans. I think he, you know, posts for some, you know, selfies or whatever. And all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, it's like, I'm here. This is, you know, this is, you know, WME. And like, this is my agent right here. It's my agent. I'm literally hiding in the door. He's like, no, come here. He kind of grabs me by the arm. Now I'm in front of the whole tour bus. He goes, this is my agent, Brad Slater. You know, he's put me in all my movies. And you want to know what's awesome? You know what he did before he was an agent? And you hear, there's like 30 people on the bus. like, what? (laughs) What? He goes, he was a porn star. And they're all like, what? And I was so embarrassed. 
it was so brutal. I'm like just praying. I'm like, please tell me that's not going to be on. It was. I, I saw. I found it. Yeah, people <laughs> were sending it to me and like whatever. But yeah, he's he's definitely. And there have been many times that guy gets me. Every time I think I'm getting a great photo with him, you know, we're posed for picture, and it's like right before they take, you know, gets the picture, he'll hit you in the ribs and like tickle you, and then the picture looks horrible. He's just yeah. He's he's a big joker. That's awesome. And you were talking about the plane rides to China. So it's funny. I, I appreciate you showing them that text because, uh, you know, in Thailand, we get to see the movies quicker than, than in America because the time we're ahead in time. So we can actually watch the yeah. premieres when they, when they, or not the premieres, but the opening date faster than when they come out in America by a few hours. And then I text you about Hobbs and Shaw, my, my thoughts on Hobbs and Shaw and how it was such an amazing movie and all that. And I didn't know you, you were with The Rock and, and you showed him the, the text and everything. And uh, you'd never told me anything about that as well. And then later on, I mean, it was like maybe a month later when he was going into China and the movie was about to premiere there. He made a post and I, I commented about the China market going to blow it up. And we were talking back and forth about how we wanted this thing to go so big yeah, and, I remember. and be such a big hit and everything. You were so excited, man. Yeah. I think you, went like, you were like the first person in, in, in Thailand to see that thing. Yeah, and then and then and then he responded and he was like, "Hey man, thanks for the support, man. Brad showed me your text and and that was awesome and all that." And I was like, "Oh, wow, cool, man." Cuz I didn't I didn't realize and I only did remember that, but I didn't realize you had showed him the text and stuff. So that was really cool, man. Thanks for doing that. No, of course. And and yeah, I mean, that's who he is and and I think that that's why um I think that's why he's able to relate so much to his fans. I mean, you can he's writing people back all the time and I mean, he's a thoughtful guy and that's genuinely who he is but that's the entire kind of essence of what he and danny have built together with with the company in seven bucks because every single thing that they do they're thinking about their fans they're thinking about like servicing their their fans and giving people what we you know what they believe that they what they want and i think that that's such an important thing and there's so much pride from that entire company um, and thought every single day about it because it really is all about giving it back to, you know, to the fans. And when you go and see, you know, Hobbs and Shaw that you can come out and text me and go, I loved it. I remember you're like, it was so great. I think it was the best one or whatever, you know? And like, that's why that's important. And that's why I show him the text. And that's why he writes you back, you know, because they're doing it for people who are going to go and see the things that they make. Yeah. make him happy yeah i mean you can just tell he works so hard and 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 obviously leading the charge on instagram he really cares about the fans and and what they think and he understands fully that what he does is for the fans and and, and that's that's what put him where he's at and i think that's what makes it so amazing um about him i collect alcohol here and and uh <laughs> phuket now i'm not and i don't drink a lot but uh i do collect alcohol because a lot of guys come in from all over the world and a lot of these uh russian demographic uh guests that we have from Tajikistan, Dagestan, Russia, they bring me these bottles of vodka and, and give me, and I would make stories about them on Instagram, thanking them. And so then everybody started bringing me all these different alcohols from all different parts of the world. So I have this massive collection at my house and I like to just, you know, taste and, and enjoy them, but I don't obviously drink a lot, but I have got to get Terramana. Like I, I'm in Thailand, I'm stuck can't get home yet, but that is definitely high on my list because I know he's been promoting it a lot. And I've always wondered why he didn't because yeah. he's always, you know, he's always uh, using the, the, the tequila emoji. And I was waiting for this to happen for a long time. I'm like, 
of all the yeah. of all the celebrities that have alcohol, how in the world are you not endorsing one? Because you're such a big star, and then here it came, Terramana, <laughs> and like so, I really want to get. Yeah, some and of that. by the way, I mean, yeah, and, yeah, and he, you know, he owns the company, and you know that that's something obviously that um, you know he was super passionate about. And you're right, he was, you know, telling the story with the with the emojis for for a while, that you know, hinting at that it was coming, and now it's here. We got to figure out a way to get some to you out there. It's yeah, great. Definitely. It really is, man. It is genuinely really, and I love tequila. Um, but, uh, but it is great tequila. So, so yeah, we got to get that to you so you can you know have the bottle sitting back, you know, by your headphones. It'll be there. there. It'll be there, man. And I want to thank you for sending me all the project rock stuff, man. Like it is amazing. Looks everybody's, good. everybody's so jealous when those boxes come in and it's like, you give me all the new latest drop, like the the new shoes, the new uh, workout gear, the hoodies, everything. And I'm in the gym just wearing all the cool stuff. So, man, I really appreciate that. That's that's so awesome of you to do that. Thank you so much. Pleasure, man. We, no, love that you're rocking it all, all the time. You know, the, yeah, I always see your posts. And you you definitely, you know, you fly the flag, brother. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. You wear a lot of Project Rock, a lot of Under Armour. That's cool. I, I've been a fan of them and, and using their product for a long time. And so they, they couldn't be losing product for free to a better person because I swear I, I probably spend more money still even with what you send me at <laughs> Under Armour than than 95% of the people in the world like I can't go past awesome. an Under Armour store <laughs> and, and not buy something man it's just amazing even though I was just in Dubai the Dubai mall they have a gigantic project rock uh display there and I, and I got some stuff there as well so that's awesome man I, yeah so I really appreciate that a lot um of course and and it, it's great um, so we'll move on to like, I want to, I want to ask you about, uh, Dana White. So you recently got an award, uh, that I saw Dana White issue you the Cedar Sinai, uh, visionary award. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. I didn't see much details, but I saw that he gave you the award and, and, and it's obviously, uh, he was saying how well-deserving it was for you to get that. And can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, it, it was such a nice thing. I, I was so surprised by all of it. Um, yes, uh, Cedar Sinai has a thing called Sports Spectacular um, every single year, and, and uh, it's a it's it's just a great charity um, that really really does a lot of good for a lot of people. and And they were um, they kind enough to honor me with that award. It was uh, it was towards the end of last year, I guess. Or, yeah. yeah, something or maybe it was I can't remember. Yeah, towards the end of last year, and <laughs> and so Dana had won the award I think the year before, or two years before. And they they loved him and they said, you know, it'd be really cool. Like, because you have to have someone present it to you. Do you think that, you know, maybe you could ask him to present it? Because like since he won it and then he, you know, he was a recipient, then he gives you, I was like, ah, you know, they're giving me the award. This is what I'm like, I will certainly ask. And Dane and I have have had, you know, developed a really, really great, you know, really great friendship over the years and all started with, you know, um, with, uh, me starting to work with Ronda Rousey prior to her even being in the UFC. And so we really developed a friendship. Um, and so it didn't mean I wasn't nervous as hell to ask him to come and present me with this sport. He's so busy. He's got so many things going on and certainly a lot of better things to do. Um, and so we had lunch. He was in Los Angeles. We had lunch and I was kind of like waiting for the right moment at lunch. We were catching up on so much stuff and talking about fights that he was making. And I said, look, hey, you know, remember when you got that award at Cedar sinai He's like, you know, two years ago. He goes, yeah, that was, that was super fun. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so um, I'm getting it. Do you, you know, would you come? And I, I might not have said, like, would you present it to me? And he was like asking, like, if he would, he, I think he thought I was just saying, would you come to the awards? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll be there. I'm like, no, I'm like, 
would you present me with the with the award? And he looked at me, he's like, you want me to present you the award? He's like, you can get anybody to present you the award. He's like, why do you want me? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you're taking away, like, it'll be awesome. He's like, yeah, dude, 100%, I'll be there for you. And then like, I found out, this is how great of a guy, is. I, like, I think he was supposed to be on vacation somewhere, and, like, he moved some things around just so he could be there, and he flew in, so it was in LA, and like, he came in for the night, and he just gave the coolest you know kind of introductory speech that i will never forget. i've saved it and you know i watch it from time to time it was just such a great yeah. gesture and he was so cool about it and yeah i mean even though we're friends i was still nervous to ask him to do it he just he didn't even blink he he literally was just like i'm there and he was there and it was great and we had a great, really really great night it's an awesome it's a really nice cause and so i was happy to be there and it was really fun to do it with him yeah, I mean, he's he's always been he's always been there for me, man, and he's such a good guy, and like you know, he's honest, and 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 he has that love hate relationship with people because he just kind of tells it how it is. But I think that a lot of people don't realize how down to earth he is, and and how much he values just like Dwayne, the fans, and 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 giving back and stuff like that. And you know, I was a part of of when he was uh, he actually saved a girl's life here in Thailand who needed an operation back you know, several years ago, she needed a, I think it was a kidney transplant and he sent $50,000 over here to save her life and like, didn't want any publicity about it at all. And then when he finally came over to AK Thailand, um, and, and Thailand to visit, I set everything up so he could meet her and, and we filmed it and everything. Um, just cause I had to capture that moment and everything, you know, he, he's always asked about over the years, but he's done so much. And, and considering that I'm not in a UFC and I haven't been in the UFC for a long time, it's, it's great that I've maintained that friendship with him and, and that he answers my texts and my calls. And he's, he's, he's helped advise me on a lot of different things in such a practical way. You know, he's, it's it's always been yeah. it's always been just a straight straight shooter, you know, good or bad he's going to tell you and then and then I have to figure it out. He never lays it out, you know. He's just like get your head out of your ass or do this or do that or think about this and then and then I figure it out. And it's always the best way to go, you know, because he he doesn't want to make it easy for you, but he wants you to understand the main principle and yeah, it's awesome, man. It, it's really cool. And he and coincidentally, he sent me on my only two auditions that I've ever had. So, so oh he, my gosh. he gave me my chance, man. He gave me my chance. He threw me two bones and gave me my chance to, uh, to be a, a, an actor when I was kind of in the middle of my career, but, but I didn't get him. Well, I, <laughs> I, didn't. I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, he really definitely what you see is what you get and he is going to be honest with you and you may love to hear it or you may not like to hear it, but more, I, I'm always find myself like, he's right. He's yeah. right. He's right. I, I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, and always there, you need something you ask done right now, you know, links you up on the text. Here you go. And I'll do anything for him. And, and yeah, it's, it's a really, really cool relationship. He's a good buddy. Good friend. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit more about MMA, but going back, um, you yeah. represent Ronda Rousey. So I didn't get to talk to you about yeah. her and, and you represented her at a big part of her career and stuff. Can, t- can you talk about that a little bit? Like what was it like representing yeah. one of the biggest stars in, in MMA at, at that time? And, and such, you know, she was a trailblazer. I mean, she was, she was like the, yeah. the non-stereotypical uh, situation, a female in, in the sport that was dominated by men fighting and she was mm-hmm. the biggest star it was incredible look i mean it's some it's it's one of the things i think i'm most my most proud of um is the journey that that i've had with her um it started 
funny enough, honestly, I was home watching an episode of The Ultimate Fighter. Um, I can't remember exactly what season it was, but season she, one. of course, was not a contestant. What's that? Season one. What's that? I said season <laughs> one. I'm just yeah. kidding. Um, uh, she, yeah, I, so I'm sitting home, and um, and her friend Manny Gamburian was a, was a uh, competitor on it, right? And she comes on and like, like as his friend, but I'm watching all the dudes in the house, all the fighters, like give her so much respect. Like here's this girl, blonde hair, leather jacket, big smile. And all these guys are just being really cool to her. But also she's just got a thing, got an edge. Yeah. I remember calling my wife over. I'm like, look at this. Look at this girl. Like, isn't she badass? She's so cool. I go on my phone, I'm Googling, finally, once I hear the name, like, Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey. And I see, you know, ex, you know, Olympian, bronze medalist. I totally remembered the story. She's a local girl, you know, Venice Beach. And I'm from LA. We all, I remembered. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't, I can't believe that. That's, I can't believe that's her. That's so cool. Like, and so I start doing, you know, a little research. I find a bunch of photos of her and, and, um, and I end up sending a note to, Ari Emanuel because we represented the UFC at that time and I didn't know Dana at all and I just I sent him photos and I go I was like do you this, is this was this young woman on Dana's radar and and uh I don't know and so Ari just forwarded the note just forwarded my email I think to Dana and so Dana took that and he did know her they you know he was definitely aware of her um and he I, he got it to her and so then I got a call from her manager at the time. It's like, I know, you know, you reached out. He was really gracious. And he arranged a meeting for me to meet her. And, um, man, I went up and met her at this little restaurant in between the city and the valley up on Mulholland Drive, like um, in the, like this Beverly Glen Center. She didn't give a shit about an agent, really, I don't think. She came from the gym. She had, you know, her gym clothes on. She had a Starbucks <laughs> in her hand, sweaty, hair on top of her head. We joke to this day, she orders like this gigantic plate of broccoli. That's like all she was eating for the day. And I'm like dressed like an agent. Dude. I'm like yeah, got a yeah. suit on. And she's probably like, <laughs> you know, whatever. And, and I launch in. This is, this is now like eight years ago now, right? And I launch into what I do. And I'm kind of giving her the speech. And, um, and then we start talking, you know, about where I see her potential. Like, I think there was a big hole for another action star and all this stuff and we didn't even know if she was going to be in the ufc and i remember just hearing her story she told her whole story you know everything father all all the stuff and um i was like she's incredible she just had this unbelievable unbelievable like laser focus like as you would talk she would almost like turn her head to the side like she's downloading what you're talking about. I would watch her do it all the time, you know, <laughs> with, you know, with Edmund too. And you just see the way she took in information and then the way she would talk and the confidence that she would talk and the things that she would say that she was willing to do. And, uh, and we just decided, okay, let's go. And so I, I remember getting back to my car. It's like a scene out of a movie. Like I have my hands on the steering wheel and I'm like about to put the key ignition. And I'm like, what did I just do? I just, I just told this, this unbelievable, you know, young woman, like, we're going to go for the movie. Like, I don't know what, I don't know if she's going to fight in the UFC ever, even though you believe it, you hear her talk about it. It was going to happen. And man, we just go. I just start calling around. I call every, I call every studio exec that I've ever had a relationship with. 
you need to meet this woman. And I was like, well, great. What is she? You know, she, well, she's a fighter. She's like, oh, she's a fighter in the UFC. I'm like, no, 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 man. They don't have women in the UFC. Like, oh, well, well, you know, what's she fighting? It's like, well, she's had a couple fights in Strike Force. Like, what Strike Force? Nobody in the entertainment business was really. There's like a handful of MMA fans at the time, right? Who, like, really right. paid attention. They didn't know what Strike Force was or anything. But they're like, all right, you know, they've known me for like, like, yeah, let's let's meet. And she would drive around. She must have taken 50 meetings. She would drive around in that in that uh, famous Honda Civic that she used okay. to talk about the. 1987 Honda Civic, no air conditioning, no working windows. She would drive it on the movie studio lots. She would never be late. She'd be so mad if she was late. If she was ever late, like by a minute, she would call me crying because she was like, she felt so bad that she would disrespect somebody that she was going to meet with, like, you know, that she would be late and, and people loved her. And right around the, that time, Dana announced that they're going to have the, the women's, you know, band and weight division, the UFC, it's going to start. Um, and she gets the fast and furious role and she gets, uh, the expendables role fights in the UFC wins her, you know, first fight, second fight, that whole thing, you know, that run is starting the movies come out entourage movie and endorsements. We broke so many ceilings, you know, I don't think, I don't think that, uh, that, uh, um, MMA fighter at that time had like a mainstream endorsement, right? There was like a lot of you know, auto deals and energy drinks and, you know, t-shirt types up, but she gets Buffalo jeans and she's on a 80 foot billboard in times square. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and just like, she had so many firsts. And I think that being part of it, cause I remember being there, uh, in Anaheim for the first fight. And I I was at every single fight she ever fought, um, you know, ever, um, and being there for that whole run and watching her and knowing her, the person that she is. And also I think the price that she paid for being first at times. Um, I think that, that the, the roles felt a little bit different, you know, didn't have the same effect. Like if she didn't tap gloves versus it, like if, you know, some of the men don't tap gloves, like, Oh, they don't like each other too much. If men do it, she doesn't do it. Oh my gosh, she's the worst sport in the entire world, you know? And, And so I learned so much. Um, I learned so much about just the the difference between, you know, men and women in the world, men and women in sports. And I thought that she handled it her way. And I'm so, you know, and I've been so proud of every single thing that she's accomplished. She is to me, one of, you know, the most special people that I've ever had, you know, the opportunity to know. Um, and I've learned so much from her and, and she's trusted me on the journey and now you know i've watched her really accomplish everything she ever set out to do she wanted to be in the ufc she got in the ufc she wanted to win titles she won titles she wanted to be in movies she was in movies she worked so hard to do all that stuff then she produces a television show you know why we fight it gets nominated for a sports emmy in its first year it goes secondly it gets nominated for a sports emmy again she tells and she knows the girl loves playing video games now she's streaming you know video games and playing video games and you know from her home and making you know a real you know decent part of her living is doing that and she had always told the world that she was you know gonna be like a a doomsday prepper and like she was you know and and that she was gonna have a farm and now she and travis have this (laughs) unbelievably happy life together where they're out on this ranch browsy acres and you know they're growing their own food and and you know they have cattle and they're doing all this stuff and and she's super super happy got a smile on her face every day and i think that that's what is so cool like that part of you know what we all should get to do like ronda rousey despite what anybody wants to say got to do it how she wanted to do it the whole time 
And all she ever really wanted, and she's been quoted as saying, is like was to make enough money to pay her taxes and feed her dog. And then, and everything else kind of came along with it. Like it was never about money for her. She just wanted to, you know, be the best fighter she could be. And then everything else she does, you know, she, she works, she worked really, really hard at it. So it's been, you know, that run is, you know, it's just been such a pleasure to, to get to be her agent, you know, from, from pretty much the start. Yeah. She's a great person. And I've always been a huge fan of hers. Um, and, and the crazy thing is there are some people that are just, you know, not good people in the sport. They're assholes. They're cocky. They're whatever. But what what people don't realize in cases like her, and I, I I've been through the same thing in the beginning of my career, coming off Ultimate Fighter, because a lot of the UFC fighters and the media bashed us because we weren't UFC quality. You know what I mean? So if you look at right. my po- post fight interviews and my first couple of knockouts, I had some big knockouts. I was I was arrogant and and, and <laughs> yeah, I was like did. I had a chip on my shoulder, you know, because I was like but I was fighting the media and I was fighting the, the, the negative criticism. And that's what people don't realize. Like a lot of times, even with uh, Rhonda too, when you see that side of people where they're, they're kind of angry or lashing back or, you know, it may come off as arrogance or something from time to time, you know, it's, it's a lot of times attributed to like the, the, the criticism that they're taking and, and, the, and, the, and, you know, what you know people saying they're not going to make it people uh, bringing them down um and, and they're just lashing back at that but because they're doing it on tv at a fight or at a post-fight interview or in an interview everyone thinks that they're just that type of person and they're not you know it doesn't represent who they are yeah. you know i've seen ronda rousey do so many nice things and i remember i was in brazil with her not with her but i was in brazil when she fought in brazil when she fought betch and she was treated yeah, was so bad, man. Like if you remember Betch with the, the you know doing all this stuff, and all the Betch's fans were like giving her like they're you're gonna die, and I'm gonna kill you. Like it, I've never seen somebody like get treated so bad from like her group, Betch's group, and 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 Brazil. And she just flatlined her, you know, like just flatlined her in the fight. And then you know it was it was such a big win, and she was obviously by the masses applauded and 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 even in the weigh-ins yeah. and at the fight she to the masses she was like the 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 hero but to betch's group yeah. she she took so much from her and then i was so happy to see her get that victory at the time and then i think she left her belt in brazil i think she donated it to, to yeah, somebody in brazil and like she's done so many good mm-hmm. things and like you know it's just be, being in the sport myself i've seen all aspects so i can easily relate to to she's such a good person and and like i said i've always yeah. been a big fan so it's good to see her success and it's good to see like like what you said she's done it how she's done it you can tell when she gets tired of something she goes to something else she's not stuck being pushed around and i think that's the ultimate freedom which is success success is about being able to do what you want to do in life you know and and having that freedom i think so yeah and i think you know also like i had this deal with her you know she never we never like had a publicist or anything and it was deliberate it was like i didn't i just didn't feel like anybody should tell or what she should what she should say and like sometimes it was gonna you know it was gonna be perfect and it'd be amazing and sometimes it you know maybe some people didn't think it was it was so perfect whatever but i was like i'm never gonna edit you that was my dive set it through we're never gonna edit you and you you know that's the way it got to be and i think also you know as much as she she wanted to you know of course to 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 win and win and win she also really looked at dana and the ufc as like such a partner i mean the 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 leap of faith that that he took and the company took to start the women's division. And, and, and like, she just wanted it to, she said it all the time. This is not me, you know, reinventing the wheel with anything she ever said, but she knew that it would be time for her to go. Like when that division could kind of would stand on its own. And now here we are, 
not mm. only is it three, you know, divisions, like, I mean, I, I am so excited to watch that women's division, every division all the time. Those fights are phenomenal. And that start and then, so I, you know, that's look what it let look at the leg, look what you left behind, you know, and all those. There's so many other, you know, women too, like unbelievable fighters. And by the way, she fighters before her that kind of pioneered that. Right. Um, the Caranos, Gina you know, Carano, so, obviously. Gina. Yeah, exactly. And people like that. And and so, you know, there was there was a lot of pride in that. Or like, I think that that she wanted to, you know, really, she would always say, I want to see it to be able to stand on its own. And boy, it, it really has. I mean, you see where it's at now and, you know, doesn't matter, you know, man, woman, any all the fights, they're all fantastic. You know, I've been so lucky to be around the sport and have the access that, that I've had to it and, and get to, to spend time with, you know, a lot of people and, and a lot of these fighters. And that's what I really love. I, I really like them as people and then fighters. And then you're just it's just so hard to watch them fight. I mean, look, Brian Ortega, you know, I've trained jujitsu, you know, the graces of Henry Heron for I don't know how many years it is now. But like the guy like shows up at my purple belt ceremony to see me get my belt. I didn't even know he was coming. I didn't even know I was getting my belt, by the way. I don't know how he knew. I, re- I mean, well, I knew because they asked me to come, but I, I wasn't expecting it. And he just like shows up. You know, I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm here for you. And like, there's so many great stories. And, and I think that these fighters all work so hard. I mean, you, you're, you're like, count all your fights and, and everything you've gone through. It's just, it, it's a remarkable thing. And because I, you know, I do, I, I love to train. It gets me a little bit closer um to it but i just have a huge respect you know similar to like for actors right like just being in it and, and just huge respect for what 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 fighters do and the, and the sacrifices you have to make just to get to the week of a fight and get through yeah. that week of a fight and then make weight and then walk up those steps and then that door shuts behind you man yeah. just so much respect so when i meet one and i spend any amount of time automatically i'm i'm i'm, I'm a fan you know i just am Fight day is a doozy. Like that is when you earn your money right there. When From the moment your eyes open on the morning of fight day, like for me, like you're always nervous leading up to the fight. And as you get more experience, it gets less and less time that you're really nervous and you're more focused on the fight. But it's always fight day when you're like the most like, because you're, you're excited, you're nervous. It's not about being at this level at UFC. You're not worried about getting hurt. You know, you're not worried about injury. You're worried about letting people down. You're worried about, you know, this is going to be the, one of the greatest right. days of your life and your career or one of the worst, you know. And so that's the, you know, the pressure and, and the athleticism that make MMA so tough and, and it's a crazy sport, man. So obviously, I want to get into a little bit of your training, man. You train, and 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 yeah. I, you're not just a fan of the sport, but you actually train. So talk about that a little bit. Like, what 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 kind of uh, styles do you train in from like uh, before, like when, when you first started out till now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, look, I, I mean, I'm completely, you know, uh, I'm obsessed with it. So so Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu, and it started for me. Funny enough, it started with Muay Thai. Um, it's when I went on my honeymoon to Bali and to Thailand. Mm -hmm. And so when we went through Bangkok and Phuket, obviously pre AKA Thailand, otherwise I would have been there. Um, (laughs) I mean, Muay Thai was everywhere and I like boxed a little bit, like after college, like just, I wasn't very good or anything, but like, you know, it's a bunch of boxing classes and lessons, but I always want to do Muay Thai. Then I get to Thailand and it is everywhere. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's the, you can buy the shorts anywhere. You can see a fight. In a bar, you can see a fight, you know, in an arena. It's everywhere, right? National sport, right? And um, and I want to try it so bad. 
And so we ended up, I have the most amazing time in Thailand, by the way. Loved it so much. Um, loved the people, loved the food. The food is just incredible. Yeah. Still, one of my favorite restaurants in the entire world, still to this day, um, is, uh, is in the Banyan Tree Resort. The Banyan Tree, called yeah. Saffron. Yep. And um, there's a restaurant called Saffron in there in the banyan tree that is that that was is so astounding i think we ate there so many times uh on our honeymoon but anyway i come home and i'm like okay i have to find a muay thai gym i have to enough but i was living in west la there weren't any at the time i'm talking like um this is like this is like i don't know 12 years ago now or something 10 12 years ago there just weren't there's boxing gyms but there's no mma gyms really in the west side and i'm trained early in the morning because i gotta go to work and i can't drive to you know, Glendale or North Hollywood. I just can't do it. So then the bachelor is on and they're in Thailand and I'm like flipping through the channels. I stop on it. Cause I see them doing Muay Thai and it makes me think, fuck, I'm just going to Google it one more time. This is like a year later. Da, 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 da. There's a gym and it's five minutes from my house. I am ecstatic. I get in my car. Like the next morning, I think it would happen to be a Saturday. I get in, there's like, like, you know, like a brick building, kind of cool industrial space called Robot Fight and Fitness. <clears throat> Bunch of jujitsu guys started it who were like, went to UCLA. They're like the jujitsu club at UCLA. Bang on the door. I think there's no one there. The door opens. There's this dude there and he is just jacked. No shirt on, yeah. shorts. He's like, what's <laughs> up? And I'm like, oh, hey, you know, I'd love to, I would love to train here. He goes, yeah, you want to train? He's like, okay, well. Call, call this number on Monday. She'll be back in. You know, we'll do it. And then I just started training Muay Thai there religious. I was going like three or four times a week. Loved it so much. Shins just, you remember when I'm sure when you first started, I would literally have to turn on like the jacuzzi at my house in the morning before I left. Like I'm blasting hot so that when I came home, I could just go in it because I just like my feet and my shins, like getting them, you know, hardened up and calloused and all that stuff. But I was obsessed. But the whole time, I'd be standing there and I'd be looking over my shoulder and be people doing jujitsu on the, on the mats. And I was kind of mesmerized by jujitsu, but real fact about me, I've had a torn labrum in my shoulder for 15 years, maybe more. I started baseball and it kept going and kept going to snowboarding accident, dislocated again, like horrible. And I've refused to, to have surgery. It's Mike, it's so bad that I went, <laughs> I just went and had it looked at recently and they told me that Honestly, I just need a shoulder replacement and I'm not oh. doing it. So, so I would look at jujitsu. I'm like, I can't, I don't think I can do that because you know, the shoulder stuff. Then I meet, um, meet Rhonda and I meet Jesse Katz who, who, you know, started Roots of Fight mm -hmm. and like simultaneously Jesse, I start talking about, you know, I train more, but I really want to do jujitsu too. And he says, oh, well you need to meet, you know, Henry and Hero and Gracie. And I was like, oh, please. <laughs> okay. Yeah I, would yeah, I would love that. And it turns out that Rhonda is being coached by Henner and Heron. And I did the whole thing with Rhonda. Like, yeah, but my shoulder. And she's like, shut up, dude. She's like, trust me. <laughs> they're phenomenal coaches. They'll take care of your shoulder. And like, you can train around it. And so, you know, here I am. It's been like eight years, I think. Um, now I've got my purple belt. I've never had a, a bad day with the shoulder, even though like, I mean, I've had some bad days, but like, I'm still going um working through you know fighting through it i think jujitsu has been all I, muay thai too but really jujitsu has been like a real real major part of my life like just mentally and, and has nothing as much as it has to do with like the actual physical you know learning of it and i'm not the first person to say this but what it's done for for my life i mean i think the whole 
philosophy behind it. I think the, especially for times like right now, of learning how to be comfortable in really uncomfortable situations, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 learning how to and and when you can do that enough, it kind of makes everything else a lot easier um, and how to handle it. And man, the people, I mean, Henry and Heron and, and, and their families and the people that I've met through them and just the camaraderie, as you know, if you're at your gym or any gym that, you know, that you go to, I don't, there's not a lot like it. I've been, you know, a lot of sports, played a lot of football, a lot of, a lot of locker rooms, but there's something about being, you know, around some of the gym. It's just been so great for me. And I do not see, I mean, the, I, I wanted to just like put on a gi today just to like put one on yeah. because I haven't been able to, you know, be on a mat. Yeah. in so long and um and and i miss it so much but i'm like i'm literally watching videos right now like all over the internet uh whether it's the gracies or all like the old fights or or you know guys like marcelo you know garcia where you can like i'm literally like daniel Larusso right now and karate kid watching remember <laughs> yeah. when he would like yeah, yeah. you know he's like learning how to karate by a book well that's me right now i just i need it and i and and, and i've loved it and i love the journey and i honestly i don't see i mean i'll be 75 trying to still do it. I really, I, I really, I really, I'm, I'm noticeably different, uh, when I'm training, like if I can get like three or four sessions in a week, maybe, or even two or three, you know, if I can do that, um, then if for some reason I, I had to travel and I couldn't, I couldn't get on the mats for, for a week, you know, it's really been an awesome, awesome journey. And I've turned so many people onto it too. I'm a great pitch man for that. Well, I was like, so I've turned a lot of people onto it. Yeah. And they stuck to it. So, so, you know, that that's been, that's been really gratifying also kind of sharing, you know, that, uh, sharing whatever knowledge and just like the love, the love of it. Well, there's this place, man. It's like, uh, it's just a special place on an Island in Thailand. And, and it's like this, this little <laughs> mini fight city, man. And it's got an amazing restaurant and it's got BJJ with like a third degree black belt instructor. It's got a Muay Thai program that's like open air where you can like take in the oxygen from the source from the jungle with the mountainscape in front of you. Uh, you I've know, heard about a, a this team, place. A team of world champion Muay Thai trainers to help you. And uh, we got strength and conditioning and aerodyne cardio blast and we got yoga. We got all kinds of stuff. And uh, you are invited to this special place. It's called AK Thailand and I really want you to come check it out hey let me first of all it would be more than an honor and the minute the minute we can get you know back on planes and and i can come spend like a real you know uh ample amount of time there that is the first place i want to go and i've told you that and uh and i would love it more than than anything it would be so cool i'm i'm obviously i follow everything on instagram i've watched a lot of your guys like the lessons that they give um there's all kinds of crazy chokes and and you know all kinds of stuff. I've been watching them, them doing their little instructionals too, but it just, the place looks amazing. I know you have such big plans for it too. And, and I see all the fighters that come, you know, and train there and business people and just, you know, fans of, of, you know, of the sport, just everyone. And it looks, uh, that's exactly what it looks like, but I can't, I cannot wait. I'm coming. You know, you already saw me holding the big AKA Thailand flag that you sent me. Yeah, uh, thank you, know, you so much. That was awesome. That yeah. Of course, of course. So, yeah, I will be there. I will be there for sure. Yeah, th so thank yeah. you for that. Thank you so much. Before I let you go, i got to ask you one question. Um, going mm. back to when you said uh, how Ronda Rousey was dressed, this was, this was on my mind before you even mentioned Ronda Rousey being dressed the way she was when you first met her. I, I had to ask you, when you first met uh, Dwayne Johnson, 
how was he dressed? Was he was he wearing like a fanny pack and like a tight sweat sweater with like a turtleneck, or was he like in a suit? Was he because you know he's the most dapper, like like clean, yeah. just suave guy yeah. out there right now. So I'm wondering, like, when he met you in that meeting, what can we say? Can you say what he was wearing and like how he looked? And and dude, I totally remember. First of all, I remember it because we were we went to we went to uh, our first like real meeting was at a restaurant called. Uh, uh, Houston's, you know, the, you know, chain in Santa Monica down like on second street. And it was him, me and Hiram Garcia, who, mm-hmm. you know, is now like I mentioned the president of, of their company. And he was, he was like vintage, you know, rock. Like it was like a black t-shirt. Nice. I totally remember the day black t-shirt, you know, like thing just fits fucking perfectly jeans yeah, like like it was like like motorcycle type boots on and like just sat there. He was just so fucking big and had a steak at lunch or something <laughs> like that. This is a long is like lit I said about ten years ago. But um I remember the day so vividly because I remember talking about our plans, right? And like strategies and things like that. I remember, you know, him just saying, you know, I really he had this funny term. He used to put on Instagram, global domination, right? Like he really, really wanted to do, reach out and, and expand and do some, some really different things and, and really be different and, and, you know, do things that were not traditional. You didn't see kind of big stars do. And he really wanted it all and basically just said, listen, I'm not going to tell you right now how we're going to get there, but we're getting there. We're going to go there. And it's been so awesome. So I remember... I remember that day. I remember, you know, all of our, you know, like so many just, just great moments. But I do remember. It's crazy you asked me what he's wearing, but I do vividly remember it. Yeah, not just with him, but there's just got to be so many times where you just sit and like just reflect on like, wow, I can't believe I'm where I'm at or and I've done the things that I've done or each accomplishment that you have with, with Dwayne or uh, Octavia Spencer or, or Odell Beckham Jr. or any of these uh, any of these uh, clients that you have, there, there's got to be so many times where you're just like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Or, I can't believe that happened. And, and that's just looking yeah, from I the think, outside. Yeah, I feel like the word gratitude has popped up a lot, you know, more recently, you know, over the last couple of years, like people really trying to, to like, like embrace it and, and, and have some, like really start to have some gratitude for, for things. And, and it is definitely none, none, none of this is lost on me. I really feel like I, I'm 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 really fortunate to to have the job that I have and get to, to you know experience the things that I've done. And it's come you know I feel like I've earned it. I'm you know it's been a lot of hard work along the way. But I've also had a lot of what I think about most is that you know just kind of going back to like being in high school or whatever and 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 not just not having any connections to this and uh, and knowing that like it's a gratifying feeling knowing that I was able to, to, to just be, you know, uh, successful at it. But then also knowing that anybody, you don't have to have connect, like anybody, if they really want it to do anything can go get it, you know? And that's the thing that I love the most. Like it doesn't matter really where you sit. And I, and I, of course I acknowledge the fact that some people are in like, have some really, you know, tough circumstances and maybe can't, but for the most part, like, you know, you know, Dwayne would always say like, all I know is I just had my two hands. I was gonna have to. I was gonna have to build it, work my body. And like we, that's that's what you have. And and if you really want it, you're gonna find a way, you know, to go get it. And and so I have just a lot of gratitude for that and uh, and 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 all of it because also, you know, a lot of it can fleet fast. You know, it can be gone pretty quick. 
you know, if, if you don't, if you don't play things, you know, right and, and yeah. try to, you know, just manage it all, be a decent, be, be a decent person. I think. Yeah. I agree with you fully. And Brad, man, I, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to, to sit with me here for so long and, and, and tell your story and do this podcast. This has been so fascinating for me. I'm sure it's going to be so fascinating for everybody else. So thank you so much for giving me this time. Dude, I think, first of all, thank you so much. And you kind of like, I really mean this, you know, I was a fan of you as a fighter. I, I don't really, I mean, I, we just started kind of like connecting on, you know, uh, I guess on, on Instagram is how like we really started to meet and, you know, like enjoyed all that interaction. No, we just missed each other when you were in LA. LA yeah. That was my fault, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, you'll be back soon or hopefully I'll be there. Um, but, uh, but like I was saying about watching the fights and being able to kind of disconnect, for you know for five or six hours whatever i was there like um, we were going on you know all, you know hour and 45 minutes and, like i've been like right here in the moment and and this was really special for me you know I'm, i've uh, not done anything like this before so um hopefully hopefully uh you know yeah and hopefully i did all right it was fun i had a great, great time man you did great and i'm humbled that, that i got to do this with you so i appreciate it and uh i want you to stay safe and and, and hopefully things are working out or getting better, I guess, in, in America. And I know it's pretty crazy over there right now. Um, so stay safe, man, and we'll stay in touch. And uh, thank you again Absolutely. for doing the Yeah, man, thank you so much. And yeah, stay safe, stay healthy out there. My best to everybody, you know, at, at AKA Thailand. And uh, tell them I'm, I'll, I'll be there soon. I'll we'll be there see soon. You there. We'll see you there soon. All Take right, care, right, Brad. Well, there you have it. Brad Slater, partner and agent at WME, one of the biggest talent agencies in Beverly Hills. He's one of the best agents in the world, representing some of the biggest clients in the world, including Dwayne The Rock Johnson, as we talked about, Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer, just everybody in general, um, and just an all-around great guy. Um, it was so nice of him to come in and, and, and give us all this time to, to let us in on his journey, getting from uh, where he started to where he is today. I hope you guys took a lot from that. It was a great conversation for me. Um, if you're on the audio platform, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, please subscribe to us. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, it's a little bit better. The experience is a little bit better. Um, and if you're on YouTube, subscribe to our channel. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think. And I'll see you next time. Real quick.